to the program everybody you just stepped inside of psychotic bump school the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul my name is dj rome and i want to welcome you to another exciting edition of psychotic bump school so ladies and gentlemen tonight oh we have an amazingly full show coming up this evening we're gonna have the return of our illustrious political panel that includes this evening uh aaron wiley sands Lori peacock and the good brother jeffrey keller we're gonna be breaking down some of the latest in politics including a little talk about the Derek chauvin trial as well as voter suppression so we're gonna be talking about that and in sad news dmx has passed away that's right legendary hip-hop rapper hip-hop artist, movie star, uh, just hip-hop royalty, DMX, Earl Simmons, passed away. So we're going to be paying a little tribute to him this evening. And to help us pay tribute will be MC, musician, uh, multi-talented good brother, O'Henny Savant. That's right, Mr. O'Henny Savant is going to help us pay tribute to the good brother, DMX. So it's going to be an amazingly full show, so you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWGTheTruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Okay, we are back. KCWGTheTruth.com. This program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, we are still recovering from coronavirus under the Biden-Harris administration. And I'm just uh, happy to assemble... Uh, a bit of the Avengers that come on the show to help us break the latest and greatest down in the world of politics and whatnot. And uh, it's always a joy to have their collective wisdom here because I want to see how we're doing. We got uh, voter suppression bills that are infiltrating the country all across the land. We got this uh, Derek Chauvin trial going on. We got this thing with Matt Gates. There's a lot to talk about and I want to get right to it. So ladies and gentlemen, I want to turn to our panel. Uh, please help me welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sisters, Aaron Wiley-Sands, Lori Peacock, and our good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Aaron, Lori, Jeff, are you back? Back and in the house. It's been a long time, Aaron Wiley-Sands. How in the heck have you been? I've been good. I've been good. I'm happy to be in, in 2021. <laughs> yes. 2020 was gangster. And uh, just feeling good. Just, it's, it's a better year. Happy to have Biden in the in office he's actually exceeded my expectations and uh really happy for spring Feeling absolutely good. and happy i think you just crossed a milestone recently so happy belated birthday <laughs> to you Thank so you. uh yeah good to have you back Lori, jeff how y'all doing doing great thank you absolutely well jeffrey keller's not awake yet so I, i'm gonna start with you good brother i'm gonna break convention go gentlemen first laurie do her thing well, yeah you ask us at the same time i never know if i'm supposed to talk to <laughs> i'm talking to both of y'all okay well now that i know everybody's here uh let's go to aaron wiley sands it's been a while since you've been here so 
How are you feeling? I'm curious to hear from Jeff and Lori, too. You feel better now that Biden is in? And Jeff and Lori, did you hear what she just said? She said Biden and Harris have so far exceeded her expectations. So Aaron Wiley Sands, what do you mean by that? How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling really good. Um, they, they have exceeded my expectations. I, I don't know if my expectations were low, but I didn't, no. I, I, you know, after Trump, you're like, oh, they speak in complete sentences. Yay. Absolutely. So, um, yep. so they, I, I love their appointments thus far. Mm. Um, I love the appointment of, and I can't think of her name, a Native American woman to interior. Yes, um, I, just love I, I love that how they're rolling out the vaccine. Um, mm. I love that they've gotten the infrastructure bill. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, that passes. I don't know, because Congress is yeah. so partisan. Absolutely. Even things that will help our fellow Americans are usually shot down over some BS. Mm. But um, I think that their effort is earnest. And mm. um, I, I just appreciate it. I, you know, I, I they have, I, I don't know. When I say exceeded my expectations, I'm absolutely serious. But as I say that, I'm not sure what I expected. So I can say that I was probably traumatized by the last administration oh, and was expecting very little. So the fact right. that we have um, capable people mm -hmm. and appointments, the fact that they are filling the appointments, you know what I mean? And, and, and restoring sort of our name internationally. I'm just pleased yeah. with it. I'm happy. I don't okay. know what more he can do based on the Congress he has, but mm -hmm. you know, he's doing good to me. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you're talking about Interior Secretary Deb Haaland, the yes. first Native American to hold that position. So, yes. yes, he has remained committed to assembling his cabinet to be reflective of the society as a whole. And yeah, I, I agree. The appointment of a lot of women, too. I'm, I'm just yes. giving people a voice. So he understands who got him in there. Absolutely. And, you know, he's uh, he's representing. So. Absolutely. In fact, before I turn to Lori and Jeff, uh, we were talking about Michigan before we turned on the uh, the microphones. And what's uh, she was a CNN commentator, but she's a part of his cabinet too. the former gov former governor. Man, it's, her name slips my mind, but she's a blonde haired, short haired. Uh, and she's always uh, it'll come to me. Uh, in Grand home. Granholm, Jennifer Granholm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's a part of the cabinet, too. And I think she's one of the first, if not the first a woman to hold her particular post. So Aaron Wiley Sands, and she's out of Michigan. So you're, you're absolutely right about uh, the diversity of this particular panel. Uh, Jeff and Lori, uh, stand by for a second, Jeff. Lori, how are you feeling? Uh, the first 100 days are not here yet officially, but thus far, Aaron Wiley Sands is feeling better, as I know you've noted previously on the show before. Uh, how are you feeling lately since the last time we saw you? Oh my goodness. It's, it's like an orange cloud has been lifted from mm. the atmosphere. Well. And I can breathe again. You know, I mean, I, I was, I was just thinking about that this morning. I, I was on my walk and I was like, you know, the last four years, I was just in a constant state of anxiety. Like yeah. I was very anxious all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was just because of the culture, the climate, the the, the nastiness that was coming from, from the white house. And the fact that that is, I mean, it's not gone, but it's mm. lifted significantly. And that we, like, as Aaron mentioned, we have competency in the white house. We have people that can speak coherently. We have people that care, genuinely yeah. care about human beings and humanity yeah. and, and Americans. Mm -hmm. um, it's making a huge difference. And, and I'm not glued to my set, you know, like I was for so many years because I didn't know what was going to come on Mm -hmm. what, what it was going to say next, what was going to happen next. I was constantly watching the news. I don't need to do that. Now I can catch the highlights and there's nothing 
you know, horrible, miserable, terrible that's coming out of it, out of the president's mouth every single day. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's good stuff. So 2021, yeah. you know, is so far, it's a much better year for me personally than I've experienced in a long time. And I'm, I think it's going to be that way for a lot of people. Oh, well, uh, Jeffrey Keller, based on what Lori just said, a lot of people are bored. They miss Trump. You know, they, they, they want the chaos. They want the drama. They, they, they want all the, the circus uh, atmosphere of uh, politics when politics is really sausage making. It's not that exciting. You know what I'm saying? So, Jeffrey Keller, how are you feeling today about things? Man, I feel the same way I always feel. It's, it's never changes. It's all the same. It's the only difference between Trump and other administrations is Trump likes to voice what he's doing and everybody else is quiet about the sneaky stuff they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've already had a hundred and, and, and I think we've already had like a hundred and something mass shootings already, but nobody's talking about that really. And that's just this year. Last year we had the most mass shootings. We had what I think it was 600 and something mm-hmm. uh, since they've been keeping track of mass shootings. Mm-hmm. So we still have a lot of issues that, that aren't being reported. And then of course we have an immigration that's at, you know, at the border. So mm-hmm. illegal, we got to deal. I mean, there's a lot of things we still got to deal with. Mm-hmm. This is just focusing on that because he's not talking about it, making asinine comments. Absolutely. Well, I, dis- I disagree, though. I disagree, too. Yeah, because okay. Biden has come out and spoken out against gun violence, and he has said we need to make a change, and he has said thoughts and prayers are not enough. We need legislation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm with you on the on the mass shootings. I think it's it's a problem. I, I think I'm I'm on the far end of the extreme when it comes to guns and, and, and gun rights. I think we shouldn't have any of them at all, but I know a lot of people don't agree with me on that. But I, I do think I did hear Biden speak out against it after the latest uh, another mass shooting. And um, I do think that he has good intentions. And I am hoping that he can lead the way for Congress to pass some type of legislation because nothing has happened after, you know, in I don't know how many years. So. Um, so, yeah, so I, I hear you, Jeffrey, but I also think, you know, they are they are making strides. They are working towards things with immigration. They, you know, Kamala is working on 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 these detention centers and everything. It, but there's, the damage has been done. and It's going to take a long time to undo some of this damage. And at least they're at least they're chipping away at it little by little. Chipping away. Aaron Wiley Sands, you wanted to jump in? No, I was just saying that I, she said everything I was going to say that I have heard Biden talk about it and acknowledge it. And the fact that he's saying that, you know, thoughts and prayers are not enough. It shouldn't be monumental, but it is because we, mm-hmm. we've let them say that to us so many times. And the fact that he, I think he's also put, he put forth something to change gun legislation, to get certain guns off the street. So he's doing a lot more than his predecessor. And Again, with the NRA and everybody's pockets and with Citizen United passed and so much money needed to, um, you know, get elected and stay elected. And the fact that we've made everything so culture based, you know what I mean? The culture of guns, then this represents, it's a lie, but it represents so-called God, guns and country. There is no such thing. That's not even Christian, but because they've tagged that and made everything a culture war, then it's harder to win. You know, you can't come in with common sense practicality. Like no one needs, you know, an automatic weapon to go hunting. (laughs) I mean that because when you attach it to people's faith or a faux faith, then mm-hmm. you know that you're talking about something else and it's harder to get that gun out of their hands anyway well <laughs> jeffrey Keller once said on this show if you need an automatic weapon to go hunting you can't shoot because yeah, exactly. that, 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 get away <laughs> um but my, my point is though and i said you guys made my point is 
those problems are still there. And they've been there since the 70s. They have not changed. We've had people talk about them. We've had people are gonna do stuff, but nothing ever gets done. So that's what I'm saying. The problems are still there. It's just, there's not being asinine comments being made where we focus on that. Well, but I the problems, no, let me just finish. Let I'm me sorry. just, let me just finish. My apologies. Yeah, my mission, I'm just saying the problems are still there. And like you said, with the, with the gun activists and NRA and that, it's gonna take more than just one person to get these things passed and changed. But we've been fighting these things for 50 years. Do we have a solution for immigration reform? Because I know Kamala Harris has been put in charge of what's happening in, with Central America and why people come over here in the first place. Uh, Jeffrey is right that we've been fighting these battles for a long time. Uh, I definitely want to talk about voter suppression, but any thoughts on Kamala's uh, capacity for handling what's handling at, or excuse me, what's happening at the border? Uh, how much faith do we have in this administration and particularly Kamala Harris with overseeing uh, things getting better with regard to the influx of immigration? Anybody have any thoughts on that? I think, uh, I think if anybody can, can tackle it and, and make a difference with it, I think she can. Um, I, I know she, her thoughts, her heart, her head is in the right place. I know she wants to do right by these people. I know she doesn't um, you know, hate them, disparage them as past administrations have. So um, I, I really think that she can make a difference. I, I, do, I think it's a huge problem it's a huge and problem. It's a, it's, a, it's a global problem, right? I mean, we're, mm -hmm. we, we can barely handle what's happening in our country, let alone try to fix what's going on in other people's countries. But, you know, we, we, there's got to be something better than what's been done. And I was listening to some Republican senator piece of, you know what, talking about the immigration problem and how Biden's administration is just not doing enough. And it's a human trafficking issue and that really needs to be addressed. And I was thinking to myself, what the heck did your administration do? to fix this problem. Absolutely nothing only made it much, much worse. So, mm. you know, I, I think we can, we, can, we can take some strides, but again, we're as Jeffrey mentioned, we're talking years and years and years of issues that are not gonna be fixed in a hundred days. Um, yep. You know, and they're not, they might not be fixed in four years, but at least really. we're making strides, we're taking efforts, we're trying to do the right thing. And to me, that speaks volumes. And that makes a huge difference as far as my personal well-being and quality of life. Absolutely. And that's why it's almost impossible, Aaron Wiley Sands, for her to fail. Because as Jeff and Lori are saying, because these problems have been so long standing that any slight improvement is still nevertheless a net improvement. But she was just in Connecticut not too long ago talking about reopening a facility. See, here's the thing. This is the problem. It's like it has been going on for so long. There are annual uh, influxes of immigrants coming to the country for a lot of reasons, but they're trying to find places to, to place the children. And one stop, I mean, I know you, you all may not have uh, looked at this and, you know, forgive me for kind of going off script a little bit, but in Connecticut, they had closed a, a prison years ago due to the mistreatment of prisoners. And they're, they're touting that as one possibility of storing children you know, in a prison that was previously closed down for uh, transgressions, but they're looking for creative solutions. And to, to Jeffrey's point, I mean, people have criticized this administration for not doing enough, one, and for not calling it a crisis anymore. And nevertheless, we still have the problems that exist in those countries 
which is why people are coming over here in the first place. There are no easy answers. So I guess my point and question to you, Aaron Wiley Sands, is if there's no real way for her to be successful, Kamala Harris, I mean, how do we measure her progress with her work with immigration and the issues happening at the border? How do we assess her capacity for doing anything constructive? Well, I, I, I hadn't commented on it initially because I think it's too soon. Um, Kamala said something that I truly appreciated that I hadn't heard remember hearing any politician say before her, which is that she's going to look at the immigration um, issue from all, all angles. And I hadn't heard anyone say as to why they're coming here. What have we done? What is our culpability mm -hmm. that we've done in these countries to make these people have to flee for their lives? What has the American government instituted in their country? Because people don't just want to get up and leave their country if it's a safe place to be. You know what I mean? That's a lot to do, to mm -hmm. put yourself in mortal danger, not just yourself, but your child, to go through just yep. heinous conditions, to just try to get to safety. What have we done to make these people need to do that? And, mm -hmm. and what can we do to change what we've been doing to make to, to bring this influx of people who are basically desperate for their lives and for the lives of their children? Mm -hmm. um, Past that, I think that there are certain things that can be done, like instituting more judges to hear these cases out, because a right. lot of people are waiting for like years before they right. get their cases. So we need, so so this can happen faster. There are just little practical things that we can do. Look at our culpability as a nation and find um, things to process these people quicker. Other than that, I think it's a huge quagmire that, as everybody said, is not going to be solved. And I think there's strides that can be made in one term, but it won't be solved. And then again, when you have the gridlock and then you throw in the culture wars that we're all in now, when you decide to demonize a whole group of people versus looking at it historically and asking ourselves the hard questions, why? Because I wouldn't grab everything I had to run to Mexico unless something here was in danger. Hey, on foot. You, know I mean? you, you ain't talking about coming over a car or Uber. They're walking here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you know how bad things got to be for right. them to get up on their feet? They almost died trying to come here. Right. So you have to, what would people do to put their lives on the line to go to a different place? And what's right. there and what have we done? You so, know, some people wonder why black folks don't just leave and just go somewhere with, with the atrocities. Well, a lot of black people are, in fact, are leaving well, that, 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 mm -hmm. that, and going to other countries. I mean, we haven't done it in, you know, broad numbers, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. I've got a family member that now lives in the motherland, so you're not wrong about that. So this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was the good sister, Aaron Wiley-Sands. We're also joined by Lori Peacock, as well as my good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Well, uh, something else has been happening that's kind of been stuck in my crawl, y'all, is uh, the voter suppression. Now, y'all know, Aaron, I'm not sure if you know, but I, in the last several months, I've created a little Twitter burner account, right? So I'll be going head to head with people who say that people who oppose the, the bill that Brian Kemp just signed that had uh, the sister arrested for knocking on the door, they're saying that Democrats and people on the left, well, no, no, the leftists, okay? Leftists are overreacting because what the bill actually does, they claim, is to expand voting. And <laughs> they, they think uh, people on the left and black people in particular, since we're talking about a majority uh, black district that's gonna be most impacted, uh, they think we're just upset about having to get a voter ID. And I've been going to war with these people. So Aaron Wiley Sands, 
Uh, before I go back to Jeff and Lori, what are your thoughts on what's happening with voter suppression and the sincerity of Republicans, Republicans as to whether or not they're really actually trying to expand voting to, to the majority of citizens? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think voter suppression for me is one of the most important issues of the day um, because it is in fact dictates much of your life. Um, to be in this country means to be uh, not taxed without representation. And so if you're trying to take my representation away, then I'm not allowed or I'm going to have a harder trouble voting for who the DA is that detrimentally affects African-American communities because then that's going to decide who gets prosecuted, who gets, I mean, all of these things we get to vote on and they understand the power of the vote. And right. so that's why they're trying so deeply to take it away from us. I think it's been right how they say it's like a new institution of Jim Crow. Um, I think the the water thing, not being able to give somebody uh, water in line yeah. is ridiculous. But I do also think that that's a red herring that'll be quickly thrown out by the courts. And the GOP knows that. It's kind of like a Trump tweet. It's the absurd thing to get us outraged and talking about why the true treachery and harm are done behind closed doors. Um, like the signing of the uh, thing where they get to throw away votes that they don't like. Yep. And um, my question is, what districts do you imagine that they're going to target? Hmm. Hmm. Remember when Trump asked Kent to find votes for him, so this new law can make that happen in reverse. Instead of finding new votes, they'll just discard the votes from districts that they don't want to have a voice in governing of the state of Georgia or any of all of these states that are doing this. So right. it's definitely targeted toward people of color, probably younger people too, but it is... I, <laughs> what's yeah. sad is it, it doesn't change. Like, yep. this is still the same trick. It's still the same thing. It, it's on brand. fighting for in 2021. Yeah. Absolutely. It's on brand. It's, it's totally on brand for Republicans. And Jeffrey Keller, before I go to Lori, uh, he didn't just say find votes like Aaron said. He said find me 11,780 votes, which would have been one point more, <laughs> which would have been one vote more than what Biden got. But Jeff, how do you respond to people that complain that we're just upset because we have to have a voter ID to vote? I mean, they're trying to narrow it down to just that, that people really don't want to prove who they are. And that's why they're cheating and win these elections. Jeffrey Keller, how do you respond to that? Man, that that that's only a part of it. That To me, that's just, you know, they're, they're getting rid of a lot of the voting boxes. They're putting a lot of them into state building. So you cannot come like after work and drop them off, mm -hmm. you know. But the, the major thing really is them uh, getting rid of the, the secretary of state's no longer. That you know, part. Vote. Yeah, that's, that's the part that's scary because now the general, you know, you got the legis state legislature that's ran basically by Republicans. So mm -hmm. they can say what counts, what doesn't count, what's in, what's out. I mean, they can barely just set up, rig the election. Mm-hmm. Lori Peacock. Absolutely. Same, same that they both said, you know, it's, 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 it's a travesty what's happening. It's a reaction to the fact that they uh, lost. lost, that they lost, <laughs> that they lost, they lost the Senate seat. They lost, you know, they lost all those elections and now they're okay. Well, let's see what we can do, you know, to, to make it so we don't lose again to these black people. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's terrible. And it definitely, mm -hmm. I, it definitely needs to be addressed and fixed. And it's, you know, the us of uh, us leftists right you know like yeah. oh, i'm always amazed at that like we just want to complain and we just want right. to be upset and 
we just want to fight everything and it's like no we just want mm-hmm. equality we want justice we want freedom we want fairness yep we want these things that are in our constitution that are in all of the everything that we say as far as this country but we're really only designed and meant to be for white people we want them for all people that's it and and uh but they don't want to give it up they don't want no to give it up. they don't and here's the thing you know what part of my fight is with um they they really when i say they it could be anybody it could, it could be republicans and you know disclosure ladies and gentlemen i'm not a democrat i lean democrat but i don't call myself a democrat I'm not a Republican. I don't call myself independent. I've said on this show, I'm black. So my interests are about black folks. All right. So I vote my interests and any allies that want to align with those interests, I'm cool with. I'll rock with you. But however, they want us to think that in the event that Republican legislators are able to make the call, because this is a backlash against Raffensperger, first of all, because he was saying to Trump and his allies that, no, there was no cheating. Okay. You got your butt kicked. You got your behind handed to you handedly. And so you lost, bruh. And so they don't want him to have any power whatsoever. And so now the rest of the country is taking its cue from Georgia to pass their versions of voter suppression bills. And so now we're having to climb that ladder even more so in order to have sort of a, a level playing field to, to, to vote. But you know, that's not even the thing that upsets me the most. Y'all know what upsets me the most about all this? I'm just going to keep it 100. Democrats and people on the left that are scared that because this is so on brand, as, as one of you just said, this, this is what they do. Okay. And I'm not saying Democrats are perfect. That's why I don't identify as one. But this is so on brand for Republicans to suppress voters on the other side mm-hmm. that Democrats don't even know how to appreciate the fact that we just overcame that in this 2020 election and on January 5th. Now, you don't hear very many people talking about January 5th. We talk about January 6th a lot, but we don't talk about what happened on January 5th because on January 5th, that should have been the news story. Warnock and Ossoff Mm -hmm. in a runoff election beat the crap out of uh, Leffler and the dude, I can't even remember his name, Leffler and I, I can't remember, forget, uh, you know, they won in a place where they're not supposed to win. So Democrats are scared that, okay, you know what the fight is that I, I keep encountering, Jeff, before I go to Aaron? They say we're going to lose seats in 2022. Now, traditionally, in a midterm election, whatever party is in power, yeah, there is a reckoning at the midterm election. So 2022 is coming around. So you know what they're telling me, Jeffrey Keller? They're saying Democrats are guaranteed to lose. Not only are we going to lose, but they they don't really have a basis for it. They're just saying the fact that Republicans are passing all these bills. So therefore, there's no way to overcome it. And my argument is that we just did. And how come y'all just can't accept the fact that all you got to do, well, not all you got to do is it is a mountain of time. We do have to overcome their suppression, but that's so on brand. So I guess what frustrates me is Jeffrey Keller is that since we have always had to have these fights, this is nothing new. Am I wrong? No, man. You, you, every time we figure out the game, they change the game. You must have heard my rant on the Poultry Hour Power last Friday. No, I didn't. 
Oh yeah, I talk about that. That's still yeah. for you all the time, Jeffrey Kelly. You smarter I, than me on this stuff. I, I, I'm just like, yo. Every time we comprehend the game, they change the game. Whether it's like, okay, now they gotta read. Now they gotta pay ten cents. Now they gotta do this. They mm. always come up with some stuff when you do it. But one thing they're forgetting, well, this is why they're doing it, and that's why immigration is so important at the border. Is mm. they're afraid that Latinos will vote Democrat. And so they have to figure out a way to stop them from voting. That's our voter ID and those things. And but you see that you see how much Latino support or Hispanic support Trump got because the people that come to this. <laughs> but country, that's usually Cubans, though. Usually the Cubans. Cubans. Were, exactly. Were Republican. Um, right. But, you know, back to what Sands was saying, I agree with everything she said is 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 we have to go back and see why they're leaving because we are great at at. at at trying to put in dictators and and, and and overthrowing government, helping overthrow governments. And then this is what happens when you do those things. Yeah. The people want to leave and come here. And so you have to go back economically and socially, uh, go back and help those countries so those people don't leave. So I agree with what she that's that's the major problem. Yeah, it is. People forget that 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 Obama, he what he he deported some like 2.7 million. He did. Um Who's to call him the deporter-in-chief? Yes. And and, and with Trump, and and again, I I had a friend of mine that represented a lot of these kids that were separated from their families. They were putting them in, taking them to court without Mm -hmm. having someone who spoke their language because there were so many different languages that they came from. And they would have them in there, you know, pleading guilty. And the kids five years old don't even know he's pleading guilty to because they had nobody to translate for them. I mean, so okay, so we're not doing that now. So now we're still putting them in cages. Mm-hmm. You know, there's we, there's got to be a better way. Yes, we need more attorneys, but still, there's got to be a more humane way of dealing with this. Right. And one way of dealing with that is going to those countries and seeing how we can help them socially and economically. Restraint and compression. Restraint and compression. Restraint and compression. We heard that over and over and over again. Uh, from both uh, of these uh, medical experts, uh, and that is the difficulty for the defense. No matter which way he tried to get around that and tried to ask whether it could have been drugs, whether it could have been his heart disease, in the end, they both went back to the same exact sentence. It was because of constraint, uh, restraint and compression uh, that George Floyd died. Yeah, this is Jeff Keller from the Pocho Hour Power, KPFK 90.7 FM, and you're listening to the Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome on KCWG, thetruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Oh, yeah. Welcome to America, where you can fail at your job, get fired, rehired, and get a $700 billion tip. Come on in, sit right down, and fill up your pockets, yeah. Mass media. Information overload. Welcome to America. Distracted by the features of the iPhone. In other words, taken by a pretty face. Welcome to America. Hook up later at the iPad. We can meet at my place. To America. Where everything and nothing that Google says is hip. 
we will not raise your taxes. Read our lips. Welcome to America. Except inside America. That's the only place I know. To America. Transformation happens deep within. Yes or no? Yes. Welcome to America. One of our greatest exports was a thing called jazz. Think today's music will last. Everything takes forever. And truth is a new minority. Oh, uh, welcome to me. different about this trial than others is because America and not just America, the world saw a lynching, a video mm -hmm. lynching. And we know that black people have been treated like this for since this country, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> since we were kidnapped and brought here. So right. this is nothing new, but I'm reminded of Emmett Till and the decision his mother made 
to have the open casket and let photographers in and show the world what they did to her baby. Yeah. And so that was sort of spearheaded or incited uh, much of the civil rights movement in that time, his mm -hmm. death and what was done to him because people got to see it. We've been mm -hmm. saying this for years, but no one mm -hmm. believes us. And so oh. now our camera phones, you know, are, are now the valid testimony versus the word of black people are, who've been saying this for years. Okay, so fine, you needed to see it. So sometimes right. you see it and still look away. But mm -hmm. this this one, just not it didn't have an effect in just America. The world protested. People right. across the world came out and said, what the, this is crazy. Right. So the eyes of the world were on this, on what, you know, happened to this man. And you had people, I mean, I think I told you this before in my community in Burbank, I saw Black Lives Matter protests and it was all white kids. So it, it affected well, people in a, in a different way. Right. And so I I have a slither, uh, a mustard seed of hope. Well, <laughs> that, um, you know, these people, I don't, you know, I, I don't even know who's on the jury. Have you, is it a diverse jury? I don't, they, I so definitely, I they, can't, they can't show this as a jury. Okay. Okay. So I haven't even looked to see, well, I, I guess we can't find out who's on the jury, but um, I remember Chris Rock did a joke and I, I probably, I won't do it well, but he said something like, um, in our generation, we are dealing with the nicest white people that America has ever produced, right? Because my mother and then her mother and then her mother dealt with different. So this is the nicest right now. And um, hmm. this still happened to this man. So I don't, I don't know what you, I, unfortunately I wouldn't be surprised, maybe slightly because it is yeah. so evident, it is so obvious. Mm -hmm. And times are slightly different because, like I said, this affected the world and not just our country. But uh, <laughs> we've been it's so tough. traumatized. I can't, you know, I wouldn't put all my money on a not uh, on a guilty verdict. Although I can't even imagine. I cannot imagine. It's going. It, but you know. Well, the this is America, man. This is this this mm -hmm. this. Look, this is this is America and, and there is racism all through America, no matter how they've changed it, how they've gone underneath, how they come over the top. It is it's not changed. You may have some young kids marching because um, we in California, so it's more liberal. But if you went to Orange County, they weren't marching. Um, mm. I just I just feel like, you know, it's being sold a bill of goods we're gonna we're gonna do this trial to solve the help the people out in hell but guess what at the end of the day you know yeah. if i were a bet man i'd be like one person's gonna be like no not guilty i don't believe it that's what i'm worried about because jeff did you say a few months ago uh y'all remember uh what was that guy's name from la all y'all in southern california uh remember Police Chief Daryl Gates, Jeffrey Keller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Rodney King, that whole era, that was before yeah. Willie Williams, I believe, and Lawrence Powell and them. They got off the yeah. first time, and y'all saw what happened in 1992. I was too young. I mean, you know, what I'm saying. Oh I mean, no, but, Rome, but, Rome. It, this is how bad it was. Rome. They mm -hmm. would show the video. Yep. They would show Rodney yep. getting hit with the with getting yep. hit and kicked, and they would yep. sit there and go, see from his body bouncing up from the. Pounding and they go look at he's, he's resisting up. arrest. He's resisting, yes, he's fighting <laughs> back. 
Right. This this is how ridiculous they get. As long as we have stereotypes out there that black males are the Superman and they can come up from everything or, 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 or rise from everything and they're superhuman like they did with the crack thing. Oh, they're superhuman on crack. So you got to shoot them a hundred times. Yep. Um, you, there's black man, Superman. As long as they have that 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 boogeyman of the black male, you always have a chance of getting off because that's not going to change. Well, that's why I was coming to you, because didn't you say your some of your work with police departments in Southern California, you were actually able to get them to reduce their budget or reroute some of, part of their budget for yes. either Santa Monica Police or LAPD? Yes, which Santa Monica Police Department. They just brought me back in a couple of weeks ago and I got them to do to start doing more community policing, to start having barbecues in, par in, in parks and that, inviting the public out so they can interact. Mm. So they can get to know each other instead of just being the your your John Q public that I have to uh, have to keep under control under any means necessary. Yeah. And in the, and the John Q public don't have to be scared of the police. Right. When you get pulled over because you're traumatized from every time you get pulled over is that it builds. So when you. Yeah, everybody. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. And so we, I'm trying to get them to interact more so we can get rid of those fears and be a little nicer when they pull over it. Maybe not just pull people over for committing crimes, but also, hey, you know what? I like the way you were driving today. Here's a $50 boom to take your family out to eat. Right. Um, just so just just little stuff like that to make people like, well, you know what? It's not so bad in Santa Monica with the police. Absolutely. Well, the reason why I'm asking you is because Maryland just tried to do something. Uh, Governor Larry Hogan has he's known for not being a Trumpist per se, but he did just try to block some police reform in governor or excuse me in Maryland. And it despite that, they just passed something. So I want to share something with y'all real quick and get your thoughts on this, because it kind of speaks to what Jeffrey Keller is talking about. We need to reimagine what policing is all about. And if nothing else, if this Derek Chauvin trial doesn't highlight that enough, uh, I don't know what will. So I want you all to take a quick look at this. I just thought of this. This is really spontaneous stuff here. And I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, check this out and give me your thoughts on this. Stand by. Of a landmark police reform package is vetoed by Governor Hogan. But just hours later, lawmakers are doing something about it. The package of five bills did make it to the governor's desk. But this afternoon, he vetoed three of them. He says that the bills would undermine the goal of building transparent, accountable, and effective law enforcement institutions. Those bills focused on limiting no knock search warrants, defining excessive use of force, as well as repealing the Maryland Law Enforcement Officers' Bill of Rights. Immediately after receiving word that the governor vetoed, those bills. House delegates held a vote passing the bill repealing the officer bill of rights. See, this is what I'm talking about. They, they're they always overly concerned about protecting the morale of police officers, Aaron and Lori and Jeff. And so that's why it's so hard to overcome these attitudes like Jeffrey's talking about toward uh, the people that they're policing. Uh, who wants to chime in on that? Because I, I think that's a part of the, the, the problem that they, they, they do everything they can to protect police officers. Go ahead, Jeff. Or Lori. Go ahead, Lori. Yeah, no, they absolutely do everything they can to protect police officers. And that's why when they are brought to these trials, they're rarely found guilty because they want them to continue to do their quote unquote jobs, but they're not doing their jobs the right way. And I agree with Jeffrey. There needs to be major reform and, and there needs to be some positives in the community that so the police are, are seen as there to protect and serve and not just to do harm. 
as they have done for so many, many years in this country. And it's, it, I don't, I don't know what the, what the answer is, but I know what they're, what we've got is not working. I mean, they're, they're, they're still racial profiling. They're still picking people out based on the way they look, um, treating people badly because of the way that they look. Um, and it's not right. No, it's not. Aaron Wiley Sands, because we they, we talked uh, on a previous episode about they have uh, slash qualified immunity. Uh, there have been some Democrats that are for that. Largely, they are for it. But that's the statute that's so high to overcome is that it's the presumption of innocence with these police officers, which gives them unbridled authority to do what they want. Aaron Wiley Sands, what are your thoughts? The difficulty with... Um this is that you have human beings policing <laughs> and, and of course you're always going to have human beings but you're you have human beings who have an inherent bias yep. they see uh black skin is something to be feared so then now i'm out policing an area over somebody that i think is somebody to be that i should be afraid of that's right so even if you're not quote unquote you don't hate black skin but you fear it so then every move I make is going to be suspect and it's going to cause you to do something to take a, a situation, at, you know, to a different level. Then I, I've met some good cops, I'll just say that, but most of my interactions with cops have not been positive. There's sort of a God mm -hmm. complex there. And so I really think yeah. it's the culture of policing. And mm -hmm. so you have people who have a Godplex, God complex, people who or fear or hate black skin. How do you change that? I don't I don't know how much poli I just saw another video last night of um a man who's in the military. Yes, exactly. Oh right? yeah. And I saw that and I saw those men, they were irate. I was like, what did he do? Did he molest a toddler in front of you? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the level of venom that they had toward this man. And they right. kept telling him, why don't you just follow instructions but the mm -hmm. man I mean, they were asking him okay let me see your hands so he did that now open the door how can i do both that's physically impossible for me to put my hands outside the door and then to open it and of course if i do that then you get to shoot me because yep. i could have been going for a gun so i mean and they knew here's the thing with the officer who did that to george floyd he knew he was being taped he knew it. Exactly. These officers knew they were being. He posed. He turned to the camera and posed. Yeah, like, exactly. he... so there's no, That's there's no humility. There's no fear. They nope. feel like I am above the law. Yep. I am the law. And yep. because it, it just is, I don't, we'd have to change the whole culture of policing. And to be honest, I don't know how to, how you would do that. It well, would be like trying to make the... Mitch McConnell humble and think of other people. <laughs> right. The, the, the way you do it. Yeah, the way you do it is hiring practices and training. You have to stop training us against them. You have to stop yeah. training. You have to take over the situation by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. And those that is a lot, a lot of the problems. Quit hiring people from the military. Quit hiring wannabe military people that did make it in the military. military. So now you want to be police officers. And that goes back to hiring practices and training. Yep. And Jeffrey Keller, uh, we had Officer J.W. on a little about several months ago, but he was talking about how the fact that the police department is kind of like sports in a sense is that it's a young man's game. So all mm -hmm. these cats, these knuckleheads out here, they, they, they doing young man stuff. It's like you not all of them, but a good portion of them are 35 and under. 
You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of a young man's game. And so if you haven't had a lot of life experience and you come in with those implicit biases inherently mm -hmm. a part of your makeup, you gon' you gon' F up. You know what I'm saying? And so mm -hmm. I, I don't know how to overcome. You, you just mentioned hiring practices, but how in the world do you overcome youth? <laughs> because those are the people that are largely applying for these positions, aren't they? Right. But it's training, too. Like I got pulled by two female cops undercover guns drawn they know they already ran my plates and the first thing they asked me because i had my tattoos i had on a white shirt and i had my tattoos out dang where did that happen make sure tell me where that happened so this, i don't go there this, i'm going to tell you exactly what was that it was on la cienega just past uh santa santa monica boulevard oh snap and i knew they're gonna put me over because i i saw them look in my car when i was driving so i already knew they're not my car wow. and they had their guns out and they said do you have any warrants and i asked i swear i said to him nobody have a master's in criminal justice you want to talk about how this is supposed to go down <laughs> come on now <laughs> and, and, and i said because you, you know you already read my ran my plates so you know wow and then they're like do you can we see your uh, id i go it's in my backpack and they go well, grab it. i said no no i want to be a hashtag right so i give you permission to grab it and they're like well you're being rude i said no you are being rude for pulling me over for no reason you got a gun on me and i'm being rude right and they're like well your brake light was out and i go i got brake lights in my glove compartment which one i'll change it right now and they're like no we're not going to give you a ticket for that i go no because it's not out and they said have a good day i said i was having a great day till you stop it wow were they um black women right uh one latina and one black woman yes oh man i was being facetious a sister pulled you over no there? it was a, it was a sister and a latina had to walked up to the car with the guns pulled like I was gonna be scared and not See, be you, you must have done something, Jeffrey Kelly. You must have been guilty of something if the sister You know what I was guilty of? You know what what I, was guilty of? <laughs> I was guilty of being in an eighty-two Mercedes, an old, you know, an old Mercedes in mm -hmm. classic. And I had on I had on a white tee with tattoos mm -hmm. out. And I actually told him if you you must have missed gang tattoo day that day, because these are artist <laughs> tattoos. Oh my god. And that's why they pulled me over because they thought I was a I was a gang until they started talking to me then they didn't know what to do with that well because you look like you 21 jeffrey keller because we, <laughs> we already established that you work out like a beast and so you maintain your 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 youthful figure oh, you know what i'm saying God. so you probably fool a lot of people but this is kcwg the truth.com's program is called psychotic bump school i'm dj rome that was the good brother jeffrey keller we also have Lori peacock and aaron wiley sands well uh before we go i, I got one more area i want to talk to y'all and thank you for for joining me because you know all these things bother me but a couple of more things before i let y'all go um packing the courts and um reforming the rules of the senate okay let's talk about the senate first because joe manchin in west virginia has said publicly for the umpteenth time that he's not down to get rid of the filibuster kristen cinema in arizona is amongst the same uh, ilk as mentioned that they are determined determined Aaron Wiley and Jeff to incorporate the minority viewpoint from Republicans before they pass their own legislation. They want to make sure that they have input, which drives a lot of people crazy. So James Clyburn came out recently with Manchin. He said, because Manchin said, hey, January 6th changed me. If we have this many people upset in our country, we got to do something. And Clyburn was like, well, it changed me too, which means I ain't dealing with some of you knuckleheads. So uh, before I let y'all go real quick, we only have a few minutes left. Any thoughts on the Senate reforms regarding the filibuster? Because we got voting rights coming up. 
We got the George Floyd's Justice and Policing Act that needs to be voted on. Uh, what are your thoughts about blowing up the filibuster so we can get some more of these uh, wonderful bills through, like the infrastructure bill uh, passed and sent to the American people? Aaron Wiley Sands, what are your thoughts on that? We have to get rid of it. And I don't, I, I don't say that cavalierly because it's something that we could use when we're not in the, you know, we're not in power, mm -hmm. but um, we have to get rid of it because they're trying, like I said, I think voting rights are, to me is the most important thing. One of the most important things happening now. And mm -hmm. we have to get rid of the filibuster so we can um, knock down what they're trying to do. We have to uh, prep pass, was it HN1? HR1. Mm -hmm. HR1. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, we, we, we have to pass it. That right. said, I don't know how we're going to do that because I don't, I, we can't get the votes. Well, th that's that what I'm true. saying. Exactly. So, Lori and Jeff, I mean, bipartisanship is nice, but if only one side is trying to be bipartisan, I don't see Republicans reaching out to Democrats to, you know what I'm saying? I mean, why do we, why do the Democrats, why are they always expected to be the nice ones and the adults in the room to work with the other side? How often did Republicans do that under Trump? Never. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> that's that's the problem. That, that's the problem with my party is my party <laughs> is too polite. See? And they need to be. See, I would I would I would say that I would say they're my party, Lori. But that, that's <laughs> why they, they they're too nice, too polite, too, too polite. wishy too. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to step on anyone's toes. It's like, no, no, no. Republicans don't care about hurting feelings. They don't care about stepping on toes. They don't care about pissing people off. We need to be just as passionate about m making changes that we believe in as they are. And that's, it's a problem. It's been a problem for as long as I've been a Democrat since I learned, since I was able to vote at 18. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's always been a problem with this party and I don't know. And it's always bipartisanship. We're going to be bipartisan, but the Republicans are never willing to reach across They're the never aisle. Willing. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Jeff, Lori's right, Aaron's right, and to me that ties right into packing the courts too because he is, he did appoint a commission to study whether or not he had the power to do that. And uh, Justice Kennedy, he's 82 years old, maybe 83, saying we don't need that because you see what just happened, the Supreme Court did not uphold Trump's most uh, uh, radical ideas about uh, the election and whatnot. I mean, it didn't quite make it to the Supreme Court, but they're saying that the institution is held. But if if that were the case and we're not politicizing the Supreme Court, <laughs> you know, Republicans and Mitch McConnell wouldn't have made such a big deal about it. So, Jeffrey Keller, uh, real quick, when it comes to bipartisanship and with things like blowing up the filibuster and with packing the courts, uh, should the Democrats just go ahead and do it and not worry about what happens after they're out of power when that should happen to happen? Yeah, see, I'm not one to say that they need to do it. I think we got to figure out a way to make it work for everybody because if you're only in for four years, you get somebody that's worse than Trump in, then you're going to be like, I can't believe they're just passing this. I can't believe they're just doing this. This is unconstitutional, so you can't have it both ways. I know. And so I, I'm just looking at the future and saying, look, it, a, a, a good president can figure out how to get and, and this is what Joe says he's good at is bringing I know. both sides together and coming yeah. up with a with a you know with a solution. What do you think about this though? Because Republicans they're like, look, we don't know if we're gonna be in power either come 2020, 2021. Mm -hmm. But they got Justice Kavanaugh, they got Gorsuch, and they got Barrett. And mm -hmm. 
and they they put Barrett in just weeks before an election. Right. And so they're like, we know we might not be in power. So that's why we're going to do this now, because when we're out of power, at least we got what we, you know, <laughs> they got three justices. Yes. So that's why you when you have the power, you got to use it. Right. I, I agree with the justices. If you can get another one in for your I agree with that. But okay. as, as far as the filibuster in that, you know, you can say, well, we just want to push stuff through. And that's the problem because we I, have short sightedness. Okay. Okay. Like, oh, we just want to push stuff through and then we push it through and then they win. And now they're now they're just pushing stuff through. and We're pissed off because right. we have no say to it. Right. I agree with Jeffrey. I mean, but I, I'm saying I understand what he's saying, because we mm -hmm. will need the filibuster if they become in power. Yes. But what are we supposed to do now? And I agree with what you said. Joe said he can do this. But in an interview, when they asked him about it recently, he said, we don't have the votes. So, mm -hmm. but that's on, that's, Joe, right? that's, that's on Joe, right? That's on Joe. You said that's not on Joe? No, I said it's on Joe. What do, what's he supposed to do if he doesn't have the votes? He's got to figure. Isn't that what he got voted in for to figure this oh, okay. stuff out? Okay. He's not. It's not like I'm trying to figure it out or you're trying. He's the president. He's the one who said he knows how to bring them both together. He knows how the Senate works. He knows how to work with them. Well, now it's time to work with them and figure it out. So he's got to cut a deal with Mansion and uh, Cinema, basically, right? That's politics, right? That's politics. And so if he does that, though. Because that means whatever bill they're trying to pass is going to be watered down. Yeah. And so right. But, it's give and take, right? It's see, give and take. Yeah, and that's true. And I know our progressive friends don't like that because that's <laughs> they, <laughs> they think that that's the problem with Democrats, and that's why they hate Democrats. I'm telling you, Aaron, Jeff, and Lori, I'd be going to war with progressives too. I mean, they just they the no compromise. I saw Jimmy. Okay, we're we're out of time, but. Y'all, y'all ever heard of Jimmy Dore? He's, He's he, his show used to come on after ours. Oh, it did? Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Okay, so I don't know how. You, I don't. Okay, so I don't I like Jimmy. So okay, I, okay, I'm gonna say what I want then. I don't like Jimmy. <laughs> if he was a friend of yours, I was gonna hold my tongue. No, but. no, he's a friend, but I don't like. Him. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. But, he's a friend, but I don't. But I don't like him. him. <laughs> you, you it's like really. Okay, but Jeff, I just saw him on Tucker Carlson's show. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, so the, the, and he was they were in agreement that I, I can't remember what they were talking about now. I'll, I'll probably have to pull it out after we we stop. But they're, they're saying that they some people feel that because, oh, I, they were talking about voter suppression. And he was right. talking about this is something that black and brown voters should be fighting for. It's like, bruh, this is the problem with progressives. Y'all ain't down with black folks like you think you are, because black folks, we're savvy voters and we don't. <laughs> The, the, the whole reason why Bernie didn't appeal to more people is because he's got a black problem. He's got a black problem. A lot of black people aren't down with Bernie Sanders and they they like their unions. And that's why in Alabama. Oh, I'm so off topic now. In Alabama, the, the Amazon <laughs> union thing that 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 went down in flames. It wasn't even close. Bernie Sanders went down there to push the, for the union vote and Amazon just struck it down decisively. Because they tried to nationalize that some something that should have been local, and people are there already get fifteen dollars an hour. So they they were like, what? Excuse me, they get seven dollars an hour. That's the minimum wage, and they already make above that in that fight. So they were like, why is Bernie Sanders wading in on here? Because he's trying to nationalize uh, progressivism, 
And it's like, uh, anyway, uh, I'm off topic. But Jimmy, no, 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 but yeah, go no. ahead. Bro, you have, look, I was at a restaurant yesterday. They charged me an extra $3.99 to support the new minimum wage act. Oh, really? An extra three and a I'm like, <sighs> but well, just know Jimmy Dore is not a progressive. Jimmy Dore is no longer on our radio uh, network. I mean, I've done stand up with Jimmy Dore and, and we've had conversations. And believe okay. me, he's not progressive. And he just, okay. sometimes people just lose their mind and get famous. And he's one of those people. <laughs> No, I'm angry all the time. Had a lot to be grateful for. Like, like it was a good time. You know, we had a lot of fun down there, and you know, Miami third album. What? You know, when I get in that studio, it's a whole other situation. The success that the song obtains has nothing to do with the reason why I make it, or well, the process that I that I that I, that I use to make it. If it blows up, it blows up. You know what I'm saying? Well, I know I come from a real place when I make these songs, you know and I don't compromise. I'm one of the harshest critics of my own music. Man, I have to impress myself each time. So, you know, each song has to be better than last. We are back. KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, the world of hip hop has just experienced a major, major transition. As discussed last week, uh, the good brother Earl Simmons, a.k.a. DMX, was having a rough time last week, y'all. And unfortunately, over the weekend, uh, just before the weekend, as a matter of fact, uh, we lost the good brother, DMX. Uh, made his transition and uh, the world of music and the world entirely of entertainment is reeling and in a reflective posture just thinking about the, his life, his contribution to the art form and what his legacy meant to uh, music in general and to people in general who were just going through just immeasurable uh, intolerable struggles. So uh, to help me pay tribute to the good brother DMX, I'm happy to meet this good brother. He's joining us from the East Coast, Atlanta, as a matter of fact. We've had a lot of people on lately from Atlanta, ladies and gentlemen, and this brother's no different. Uh, he's an entrepreneur, multi-instrumentalist, as well as an MC, and uh, the good brother is just as sharp as a tack. So I am happy to welcome him here. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, the good brother, Mr. Oheni Savant. Mr. Savant, are you there? You hear the crowd? <laughs> yes, sir. Right? <laughs> Great. Yeah. Great to be here. Great to yes, be sir. Here. Yes, sir. Highly deserved, man. You you got some skills, bro. I, I saw some of your Thank stuff, you, man. Sir. I saw some of your stuff. Thank you, uh, sir. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You fire on that microphone. So, good brother, like I said, you're coming from us from the East Coast. You know, as I, I just had a thought, man, before we get into uh, talking about DMX, because I know he had uh, an influence on you, as he did so many. Uh, 
a good sister of uh, DJ Rashida, a uh, friend of mine, um, uh, been on the show. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, she's a good friend. And uh, she was talking about her time in Atlanta. And she was saying, you know, how uh, Atlanta is such a hybrid of stuff because you got all the stuff coming down from New York down to Atlanta, you know, the hip hop and the beats from there. And then you got the stuff coming from Florida, the uh, the stuff coming up from there. And so Atlanta was just sort of a nice balance between those two sectors. And then it had its own vibe in itself right there in Atlanta. So I I'm just so really honored to have you here representing such a powerful piece of the region of hip hop uh, in the country. So uh, good brother. <laughs> Good brother. Yeah, let's talk about that. But yeah, go ahead. Well, well, before before my my people from Philly kill me. I have to say, <laughs> okay. I am from Philly. <laughs> I am originally from ah. Philly, but I was also raised in Ghana, West Africa, and yes, I just recently moved to Atlanta, which is a beautiful uh, city. You know, I, I wanted something that reminded me of Ghana. Yes. And uh, it's very similar in many, many ways. So um, mm -hmm. I just had to say that because there's some people <laughs> from Philly that were listening to this waiting for me to not say right. <laughs> that I'm uh, representing Philly in, in uh, Ghana as well. So but Absolutely. I'm also representing Atlanta. You know, I've, yeah. I've moved around and I enjoy um, experiences of traveling and stuff so mm. you know atlanta is the home now and uh like i said it's a beautiful city with beautiful very kind people and uh mm. this is great to be out here so yeah uh, yeah i just had to clear that up real quick absolutely can't come back to philly i can't lose my philly card <laughs> you know what i'm saying let him back into the city y'all he he's representing mess around yeah. and find out mess around and find yeah. out but see that that's what's yeah. beautiful about it because I've been hearing about so many people moving to Atlanta. Uh, you know, I'm out here in California, so it, it's been a common narrative lately. And right, it's for right. instance that the Avengers movie and Black Panther, I think, was filmed in Atlanta. So there's yeah. definitely a strong sense of the culture and Africa, yeah. Atlanta, like you said. Well, good brother, yeah. uh, I'm so happy to have you here, man. So uh, pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. Well. Um, Man, DMX, um, you, you could just name the hits just just as one statement. Yeah. I mean, people know he set Billboard records on fire, you know, when he first came out that that first year. He just came out of the gate smoking uh, yeah. and he, he had a life outside of music that was really, really uh, a challenge for him. So good brother, Mr. Savant, uh, what can you tell us about your thoughts when you heard about the good brother DMX and his struggles and ultimately of his uh, untimely passing good brother uh what are your thoughts on that well in hip-hop you know there's a culture of people tending to want to um be about themselves like it's you know in hip-hop that's the culture the culture is the mc is you know i'm the best i'm this and that so mm -hmm. what i put it like this as as with any mc i have some of that with me but mm -hmm. with a brother like DMX, I have to take time off when I, you know, received word that you wanted to invite me on to speak. Mm -hmm. I said, if there's anyone that I would want to take time off and speak about, it would be this guy. Because mm -hmm. one, knowing his struggle, uh, what he overcame uh, to become who he became in the world, not just in hip hop, but in the world. On a global scale, there are people in Africa who've reached out to me 
who said this brings them to tears and it reminds them of when Tupac passed, mm. you know, um, mm -hmm. because he, he was one of the few rappers that rapped with a level of charisma of mm -hmm. a preacher. Mm. You know, when he approached rap, you could tell he had deep roots mm. in uh, the African-American culture and tradition that comes out of the black church. So mm. he he had this charisma. And it's something I want to say about DMX that I think people are overlooking. When people see DMX, they associate DMX with energy. Everyone always says, man, right. this guy had so much power. Yes. He had so much energy. And that's part of the reason it's so devastating that he passed. Because mm -hmm. what people are thinking is that a person this powerful can overcome anything. I mean, there's right. footage of this guy performing in front of, looks like a stadium of people. I think it was a Woodstock mm -hmm. concert. Correct. And he's one guy completely mm -hmm. dominating this audience. Absolutely. I mean, this, this, this audience is... We're talking, I don't know how many people were there, but you can clearly see this is a stadium mm -hmm. and this one guy is controlling it with, with ease. And they were white. What I, <laughs> right. But what I will say, and this is the thing I think people are overlooking, is mm -hmm. that it wasn't with ease. We associate DMX with energy, mm -hmm. but we don't realize that it took him giving that. Wow. It's very simple. It's very easy to look at every time you hear this guy mm -hmm. uh, on a record. He's full voice mm -hmm. from screaming from the bottom of his, his stomach, his lungs. He's giving you everything. And then when you see him on stage, he's giving you everything. But there's footage of this guy backstage having an asthma attack before he comes back out on stage again. Mm -hmm. So you associate him with that energy. But mm -hmm. a lot of times people don't realize that artists are giving something that as a human, they don't really have, they're finding it some from somewhere. Wow. So I think that's the one of the most remarkable things that I could say about him is that when you listen to him, you just, it, he makes the energy seem like that's who he is. Mm -hmm. Like it's effort, effortless. Like he wakes up, you know, in the morning and he's like, what? Right. You, know, you think that right. that's what he, you know, he just has that, but he has to conjure up that energy. Every time he did it, he had to reach for it to mm. give it. Mm. And to me, that's a sacrifice that I think is easy to overlook because he did it so effortlessly. But genius uh, makes the difficult seem easy. Mm -hmm. Genius makes the complex seem simple. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's mm -hmm. some of the genius of DMX is that he was able to make you think that this energy was just who he was, but he had to give this energy every time. Every single you time. Know? You know, and he did it and he did, he did. It. Um, you know, in spite of all of the things that was troubling him, you yeah. know, and actually like I see majority positive comments about him and social media can be cruel at times. But sure the majority of the things I see are positive because yeah. I think everyone has a part of them that knows a struggle of some sort. Mm -hmm. And to see a guy who wore the struggle on his sleeve and let you know, listen, this is what it is. I'm, I'm dealing with this, mm -hmm. but I'm still going to push through and give you something special. Absolutely. You know, I, he's, he's someone worthy in my view of the type of respect and praise that he's getting.
you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about his genius, uh, given the, the lyrical complexity at which you do your work, good brother? Uh, what is there that we uh, may overlook since you, you talk about some of those things that may not be obvious and apparent to the immediate eye? What are some of those nuances about DMX as a MC, as a lyricist, as a right. performer that made him so special? Right. Now, with DMX, and by no stretch of the imagination will I say I'm an expert on DMX. I'm an expert mm-hmm. on MCing. Yes, sir. Which he was an MC. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, I, as a matter of fact, talk about DMX. And I, and I hate in this moment that I have to mention this because I don't want to make it about this, but I do mention DMX in my book. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mentioned that cadence and pitch mm-hmm. is something that, people overlook with rap. They don't realize that when you're rapping, um, you're actually rapping in a pitch, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so one of the things with DMX was that he was one of the guys who came from the era of rap where every rapper was seeking to have their own pitch their own cadence, their own delivery. Mm. You know, you listen to Busta Rhymes. He has his own way of rapping. You know, when he first came out, he would shake the the, the words. You know, I'm Busta Rhymes. He would do stuff like that, shake the mm. note, right? Like he mm-hmm. would shake the word. This is These are musical techniques. That in mm. music would be a modulation. Right. Know, shaking, shaking the note. With DMX, he was a very dynamic rapper. So mm. when he says... What type of game is being played? How's it going down? If it's on till it's on the night, that's the no now. Like he he gives mm-hmm. you this crescendo of a of a he's raising his pitch. If it's mm-hmm. on till it's on the night, that's the yes. Man. Like he he brings it down. So his the genius of that is that you gotta understand when DMX comes out, rap is going through a period of all the styles have been taken. <laughs> and somehow this guy comes and he he had a style that was his style. Tupac right. had his style. When you hear Tupac and he and all my memories of seeing brothers bleed, he he's extending the word. That's Pac's thing. Mm. But DMX had a thing where he would scream apart and then whisper apart. Like he'd yell apart and then bring it down a bit. Wow. That was a that was a creative approach. That was a dynamic as far as when you talk about dynamics in music, that was dynamic. Um, actually, I want to, the reason I mentioned my book is not to promote it. Yes, sir. In this moment, I'm very, I think it's kind of tacky, but I have to mention it because mm-hmm. I do mention him. And I say, uh, in this book, I say, um, the highness or lowness of tone, of the tone of your voice matters in rap. And the song Stop Being Greedy. DMX changes his tone or pitch every four bars from a laid back or tame tone to an aggressive tone for the entirety of the song. So every four bars, this man is giving you laid back and then aggressive. Mm. You know, know, like if you listen to that song, you're literally hearing him go from one tone to the next. Uh, And that's something that if you go back to the beginning of, of rap, being dynamic wasn't as much of a thing. Hmm. He was he 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 was he was very dynamic in his approach. And dynamic just means that your music has more 
variety. Your vocal, you know, his vocals had variety. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, they rap the same tone straight through. You know, uh, mm-hmm. most people, if they were doing how's it going down, what type of game is being played, how's it going down? If it's on, then it's on, then I got to know now. Uh, you know, they would just say it straight through. If it's mm-hmm. on till it's on, then I got to know now. That's DMX. So it's not just what he said, but it's how he said it that made it special. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. So, so like I said, I'm not an expert on DMX, but as an MC, you know, I could easily identify that this man was special, mm. that this man had worked out his own approach to rapping. He had his own signature sound that if you copied it, we knew that that was DMX. If you copy it now, we're still going to know that's DMX. Wow. Um, and that's something that I think uh, is getting lost in many ways uh, with uh, today's approach to uh, rap, um, you know, as far yeah. as some of the newer approaches are not emphasizing signature sound. Mm. But I, I don't think that that's just rap. I think society is moving in a direction of not having a signature. Mm. Um, for for example, you know, when when people write raps now, you know, like at my museum, we have rap, rap books, rhyme books from the years that I've been rapping. And it's my signature writing style. Mm-hmm. But today, if you're writing raps, you're writing it on a, on a phone or a tablet. And how can you have a signature if it's being typed on the tablet? So I don't think it's just a rap thing. I think society is kind of moving in a direction of uh, what somebody like Ray Kurzweil calls singularity, where everything is like one thing. Right. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. No, it, it, it ties in, though. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychiatry Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. We're talking to the good brother Ohenny Savant. Man, I know I tore that up. But Mr. You did it great. <laughs> it excellent. <laughs> if I was from Ghana, though, how would I say it, brother? Oh, Henny. Oh, oh you'd say, oh, oh if you are, if you are, we are coming from Ghana, you'd say, oh, Henny Savant. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's what I want right there. <laughs> See, this brother's universal. See, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, you just laid out in professorial fashion uh you you gave us a music lesson right then because people often do not associate i mean you coming from the musical background that you have you have a musical pedigree so someone like you is able to easily detect the nuances of of pit uh modulating a tone and i was as i was listening to i was even even thinking about the vibrato that he has in his voice stretch a note out and sort of sing it like you said buster rhymes does but dmx definitely did that and another example that came to mind before as we're talking about dmx i was thinking about the rapper mystical when i was listening to his uh song uh that he did with uh ludicrous move get out the way and then mystical right. part come on and then that there's this middle part where the beat kind of changes because mystical's like there's this middle yeah. part where he's like he's kind of whispering at you though and then right. he switches it up and then he comes back to that really gruff aggressive yeah. you know That's alpha right. male kind of thing so That's yeah that right. is something very special to appreciate about dmx can you talk about some yeah. of his contemporaries like mystical ja rule uh who in what ways will we see his influence in other MC, MCs subsequent to the onset of DMX? The irony is the time that he came out, uh, I, I actually um, know that he was actually out before he really 
took off career wise. So he had actually come out like 91 and okay. um, a DMX expert could correct me if I'm wrong, but I just recently saw that he had come out at like around 91 and it didn't really take off at first. And mm-hmm. it could be the wrong label, wrong producers, mm-hmm. but ultimately he, you know, they came back again around 98 and it worked out. Um, the reason I'm, I think this is relevant to your question is that mm-hmm. in that time period, people didn't try to mimic um, mm-hmm. each other. Like that time period, if you got caught doing that, you were, it was frowned upon. That's right. So I don't know that his contemporaries were necessarily trying to be him as much as they all were looking for their own identity. And, you know, you did have some people who were influenced by Tupac, but at this point, Tupac's a legend. He's mm-hmm. already, you know, passed on and people mm-hmm. are really trying to, in ways they're admiring him. And so they're trying to keep him alive. You know, he's one of my influences uh, artistically. So um, I don't know that I would say people were influenced. I think his influence you'll see more today uh, now that a lot of times when an artist passes on and the amount of outpouring comes in, you start hearing his music more. Uh, there'll be some some younger people that will listen and say, man, what can I derive from how he rapped, you know, um, and how can I keep him alive? You know, when Tupac passed away, you know, my thing was, how can I keep an artist like this alive through what I do? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, so I think that you'll see more people uh, come out. But yeah, absolutely. We, to briefly touch on the artists like Mystical and Luda and all of the different artists that rap uh, with their own sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very easy to not understand that, again, rap is music. It is rhythm and poetry, rhythm and poetry rap. Mm. rhythm is is music so when Mm. we talk about uh uh, rhythm what it is that a rapper is doing it's like again if you're not from a distance rap seems like something that everyone can do yes everyone can rhyme words Mm -hmm. but there's levels to everything everyone can sing but that doesn't mean you're going to be anita baker or you're going to be jasmine sullivan you have to actually put in time and work to be able to sing well like a shaka khan or you know the people that mm-hmm. actually master the craft right so rap is no different in that a person like mystical is a very highly uh, skilled mc who mm. understands not only how to make words jump in a way that feels like a drummer mm. um but also And I'm talking about syncopation, but Mm -hmm. also to understand that we're using a voice. And so because we're using a voice, a voice can do some things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mystical is another rapper who's very dynamic. When you listen to how he, there I go, you know, he has moments where he's shouting out the lyrics, Mm -hmm. right? And then sometimes, like you say, sometimes he'll bring it down and he'll talk, you know, a lot lower. Mm-hmm. The rappers who understand that, that's another level of rap. You know, mm-hmm. when you first start out, you're not really thinking dynamics. You're just thinking about flow and just being steady and figuring mm-hmm. out how to p- put these words together so that I can come with a pleasing to the ear type of flow. Right. As time progresses, you go from just wanting to 
flow to okay it's not just what i'm saying but how am i saying this mm. what can what can i do with my voice now to make the mm -hmm. flow even better mm -hmm. and so there's a list of rappers that i could and i mentioned some you know before but mystical is one uh luda is somebody who is definitely very um well equipped when it comes down to dynamics he understands you know like you know he has moments where he just yells a, a line out you mm. know um the rappers who understand this are definitely rappers who are a higher level they're a higher right. level and i can listen to a rapper in two seconds and tell you if they are on that level well tell me what I mean, tell you what, <laughs> tell, well, you're yeah. doing some stuff right now, good brother. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I I, I like your little, uh, you know, shout out to Jasmine Sullivan, Philly in the house. See, he, he got y'all. You know, I, got I, I see what you did there. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. Don't make me start naming. <laughs> right? He wouldn't name names. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but you, you talk. You 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 are absolutely right, man. I'm I'm even thinking about somebody like Kendrick Lamar, who definitely. Uh, you know, in recent times has made his tributes known uh, and his respect for DMX because something about the, the contrast, because, you know, you're talking about the musicality of emceeing, which, again, people really don't have an appreciation for. But when I think about when I listen to music like what Rick Ross produces, where he has this really uh, sort of, well, not really a gangster flow, but it, it's laid against the backdrop of some really lush beautiful music like instrumentation uh -huh. and keyboard patches that are orchestral and it gives sort of a, a cinematic feel to the to the music to where he's like telling a story and he's creating these images and uh like a, a movie in your mind i think that's the justice league the producers who do uh do that music. yes sir those guys yes, are sir. There's a serious musicians, and, I, and, and that's a yes. great point because we got to give credit to the producers as well because that's right. that's the producers right. influence, you know, um, the rapper. Mm -hmm. It goes hand in hand, you know? Yes, yes. I, I just think it's beautiful that when people can, because it doesn't seem like it should work, right? I mean, I, I look at Ice-T who, who just won his, I think his very first Grammy with the group Body Count. And that's that's a metal. That's a that's a metal group. I mean, Ice T okay. has rapped in a long time, but that really aggressive, you know, right, right. face kind of thing. Distortion. But, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But when you have that contrasted with lush, um, melody sounding uh, support in the backdrop, uh, like I mean, the the song I played it last week, but uh, you know I can't get the song slipping out of my mind because it has such a beautiful yeah. hook to it. But the, mm -hmm. the music itself, you know, I got to, you know, give a shout out to that producer. The music itself is so lush in support of DMX's sort of gruff delivery and his punctuations mm -hmm. of it just that are syncopated with the, the beat, you know. And, you know, especially when you listen to the clean version, it's, it's crazy how they drop in. It's what? Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Man. I, I, just, yeah, I just watched that the other day. As a matter of fact, uh, before DMX passed, probably like a couple of weeks before that, uh, the, the, the son of Grover Washington Jr. reached out to me and mm -hmm. he had, he had mentioned to me that, uh, you know, he heard, heard my music and, and, and was uh, a fan of what I was doing musically and, um, basically sent me 
uh, his catalog and said, yeah, check out some stuff, man. You need to flip some of my dad's stuff. And so I'm listening oh, wow. to the stuff and, and uh, I hear where the sample came from mm. slipping. Like I hear that mm. in there and I'm like, wow, the producers did a great job mm. uh, of, of finding that because it's actually somewhere in the middle of a, of a jazz piece. Wow. You know, the slipping uh, record. And that's the other thing. Like I said, the producers, uh, they really need to be looked Absolutely. at uh, with a level of respect. So, yeah, I just was listening to that song. Wow. You know, I think of DMX with more smiles than mm -hmm. uh, sadness because, in my view, DMX's uh, life is actually a victory. Everything that he accomplished is a victory because, you know, he made it very clear that he was in a foster home. And a person gave him uh, some drugs that had something extra in it, which we know now is, is crack. But basically, he made it very clear that he was tricked into doing crack and he wasn't he wasn't able to shake it uh, mm. since he was 14. So he dealt mm -hmm. with that all the way up till now. Mm -hmm. And um, so I look at that and say, you know, I had a, a crack addicted mother, so I have a completely different outlook on this. I know my mother loved me, but I saw her do things that you would think, man, like who would do this to their kid? But mm. I know she loved me. I know it wasn't her. So anyone who's, who's dealt with that addiction, anyone who's hearing this, that's judging DMX, trust and believe that what he did is beyond a miracle. Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet. At the intersection of funk and soul, my name is DJ Rome. I want to thank you for joining us this evening. We're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. Also want to thank our very special guests for the evening, Lori Peacock, Aaron Wiley-Sands, Jeffrey Keller, and of course, the good brother, Mr. O'Henny Savant. Also want to send a very special shout out to Mr. Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care. <laughs>